presents Vampire the Masquerade Hellfire Nights Good evening and welcome to a very special edition of the Bardic College Presents Hellfire Nights. Um, as we know from last episode, the team had started Chapter 2 of our saga and once again found themselves in not only different parts of London this time, but actually moving around the world. We're going to be dealing with one specific vampire this evening. Uh, we're going to be dealing with Evelyn Wolf, And Evelyn has made her way to, by invitation and more demand than anything, uh, made her way to Seville, Spain, and has been doing so by means of her own transport, uh, her international shipping company. She was able to make arrangements and divert one of her boat, get on and divert a boat over to Spain very quickly. Uh, and she was able to hold the timeline of arriving in Seville within seven days, seven evenings. Um, so let's just say hello to the player and then we'll get right into this. This is just going to be a very special short episode of what goes on with Evelyn because it, it's either it's either going to be bright starry nights or you know a dip in the sun so we're going to find out uh good evening Lauren <laughs> that's that's comforting good evening keeper yeah, well there you you know I mean we're at that point where um you know uh, the check is here you had the roast beef and everybody else has already dropped some money on the table and walked out so you're left with the whole check I think that's pretty much what we can, how we can sum up Niccolo's uh, visit to London and hmm. where we're at right now. So, all right, um, it's uh, it's about eleven p.m. in Seville. You haven't been back home. Uh, have been back to Seville since Niccolo brought you here when you were first embraced some eighty eighty five years ago. And um, it's as beautiful as you remember it. The cathedral, the Gothic architecture, uh, very beautiful. Um, this is where the seat of power of your family, uh, f all the world, you know, politics and, and things that go on around all over the planet, wherever the La Sombra have their hands uh, firmly dipped into the pie, so to say, it all happens here. Uh, reports are generated and, and commands given from the highest levels uh, directly from this, this part of the world, from this particular city in general. Um, you were... Asked to arrive here by the faceless saint, uh, she expressly, you know, demanded your presence. You've complied, and uh, as you make your way across the the cobblestone streets uh, in this big plaza where the cathedral sits, um, you quickly recognize, you know, two young men um, that you've that you sense immediately. You know, are definitely kindred, La Sombra kindred. And they make their way up to you and <clears throat> invite to escort you in uh, to the subterranean, you know, parts of the of the cathedral. They're going to bring you in through another entrance, through a building about a block away. Uh, you've done this before. You've you've visited the conclave here uh, at least once or twice in your life. So, uh, but this and it's not uncommon to be escorted in. But you're not brought in in chains or anything. This is more of a, you know, we're here to just guide you the final way. Um, do you have any questions, anything you want to say to them? Is there anything that you want to do as, as they start walking alongside of you in silence? I'll, I'll put that to you now if you want to try to um, 
have conversation, dialogue, whatever, you can try to do that. Yes. Um, Keeper, I would have wanted to send a, like a, what were they? Telegrams? Telegraphs? Telegram? Telegram. I would have tried to send a telegram to um, one of the bishops that's that I know. It's like my friend. Not friend, but um, from the first time we played, I had this like loose ally that was a bishop. Do I still have him at all? Yes. Do we have his name? It's like Ricardo Rod- something. Rodrigo! Yeah, Ro- bishop Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Um, I would have tried to send a communique to Rodrigo. I should have discussed this with you before the game. Keeper, I sent a telegram to Rodrigo. Have I received any notice back? Well, you were in mo- you were in motion. Okay. So motion uh, to actually receive a telegram back would have been difficult because you're not at a fixed address. So <clears throat> by the time you dispatched right. it and it arrived to him and he potentially replied, it would have been heading back to where the telegram originated and you're not there. Right. And so right now you, you know that you've dispatched a communication to Rodrigo, but you have no idea whether or not he's replied. What was the, what were you trying to say? Essentially the telegram detailed Rodrigo. I've been visited by the faceless saint. I'm coming to Spain for a trial. Um, Please be prepared for my arrival. I hope to find a friend. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, you dispatch that with no problem. As far as whether or not, you know, how, how far that was taken or what he was able to do with it. Unfortunately, you won't, you really don't have any idea by the time you arrive at the cathedral. Yeah. So I guess I can ask, um, as the I'm being escorted in, is the Bishop Rodrigo in attendance this evening? The one looks at the other and he nods and he says, See, si. Rodrigo um, arrived last evening, early in the evening, but he is here. Good. And um, can you tell me if, was he, is he part of the, is he to judge the trial or sit on counsel for it, or did he come of his own accord? No, it is only uh, the the cardinals and the archbishops who would ever have say um, at this point uh, to present to Grand Inquisitor. Um, but he is here, and if he has, I'm sure if his friends know there's things that could be said in your favor, he may be able to present as a witness, but he will not be judged, no. Thank you. They're both very very Castilian. Um, you don't sense, you know, great strength or power. Probably, you know, definitely by your assumption, they're definitely a younger generation. Um, not incredibly well connected yet doing, you know, escorting work, lapdog work, yeah. but definitely part of the family uh, by their mm-hmm. look and by the overall way they're dressed, the quality of the, of the pocket watch, the whole bit. Yeah. So yeah, they go through a, a building and uh, it it appears to be just a shop, but it's a front during the day and out the back, they, you know, they, they make their way down into a sub basement and that sub basement has a gated uh, part in the wall 
with a tapestry over it. So they push the tapestry to the side and there's a, a very heavy, really iron bound gate um, that looks incredibly impressive. There's a gargoyle face on it in the center. Uh, that's almost looks as if it's yelling or screaming and they, the one inserts a key and turns it and it swings silently. Uh, but it does seem to go down a very dark, dark hallway uh, made of, of old, you know, cut stone, uh, both the walls and the floor. The floor is field stone but cut, but the regular, the walls and the ceiling itself are arched in that very Gothic style. And this tunnel goes on for quite a ways. There's only torches lit, like maybe every 50 to 60 feet. A normal human would have a really hard time. They'd be pinpoints of light. But to the Lasombra who play in the shadows, this is nothing for you. You're you're more than able to to see well enough to navigate. Um, you're brought through, and and there's several twists and turns. Uh, this again, this path does seem somewhat familiar. You don't, you couldn't retrace it on your own. But nothing here feels out of place. The some of the landmarks, uh, the turns, lefts and rights, make sense to you. You're not being led in any bizarre place. Uh, your hackles are only up because anytime you're summoned before, you know, a, a conclave of, of power like this, there's questions. And you know that those questions are apparently going to be aimed at you. Uh, and rega they're regarding Niccolo. So you finally come to a, the base of a staircase. There's another iron door, very similar in respect to the one that you passed through, um, you know, eight. 100, 900 yards prior. He inserts the key here. Again, it swings open silently. And as you step through, you see two other uh, brethren here. These, though, are dressed in the robes of, of the Inquisition. Um, they they have, you know, swords on their backs. They're dressed in the, in the red robes of some sort of like a cardinal, but there's a breastplate on each one of them. Their, their heads are hooded over. Uh, shrouded almost like the masks and the hoods that are worn by the clan in the United States, but they're the, t the hats aren't quite as tall, but they have that face flap that that blocks their visage, and they say nothing as you as you pass through. Um, there's a winding circular staircase that's in front of you, uh, fairly wide, probably enough to fit two or three people easily abreast, and the one band offers his hand, and you know as if to say, please continue. And he turns and shuts the door and locks it. And uh, they wait for you to start ascending. Taking a deep, steadying breath. Um, perfect posture, face cold. I don't want to show fear. But I do have to take a, like a, you know, a bolstering breath before I ascend the steps. Okay. Uh, how are you dressed? How am I dressed? Uh, Evelyn is typically in the garb of, you know, a Victorian woman, a wealthy woman, but she's in mourning. Um, for a La Sombra gathering, it would be still the, the mourning garb that I'm used to wearing, but much more opulent, where... I normally don't try to portray that I'm wealthy. Now it's black, but there's gold jewelry dripping off of me. It's it's almost more Spanish-influenced in fashion. Right. It's a fusion of 
a Victorian morning dress with something that a Spanish wealthy lady would have worn. A lot of jewelry, still black, but again, with that gold, the red. Now it's, I have money. I'm among my people. I can flex a little bit. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Um, yeah, you're brought up and you're, you pass a series of, of rooms and cells. And by cells, I mean like old monastery, you know, monastic cells, not cells in the, you're a criminal type situation. And you're brought uh, outside of a, double, a set of double doors. Here's, there's two large braziers burning. The, the hallway itself is probably about 25 feet across. Um, it's, you do see some men speaking. Um, you see a few women. One woman is in chains, uh, in manacles. She's Her head is bowed down. There are three other men themselves that are uh, lashed together or chained together by their legs. Um, you make no contact with their eyes. They, you know, they look at you like, you know, obviously you're here. You, you appear to be a witness and not a prisoner. These, these are here because they've broken an oath or a law uh, and they're going to be judged. So you're, you're brought up and the one gentleman says to you, there is one, um, trial on the docket prior uh but there is a place for you to be seated if you will follow me quietly we can enter um the grand inquisitor should be entering the chambers very shortly please follow me thank you and in you go yeah um yeah there is it's an old style if you think of a london courtroom it looks similar to that however there are some very spanish flair there's some very spanish flair to it um on a dais that's about 20 feet up, that rises 20 feet over the course of nine steps, uh, you see um, a, a large throne uh, in basalt, in black rock and, and gold, um, sort of filigree, and it's just presented very opulently. But the, the imagery on it is, is, is dark, um, a little terrifying. And along each, each of the nine stairs, to the left and to the right of this throne or this high seat of, of an inquisitor, uh, you see nine other chairs, Pope chairs, you know, the ones with the, they sit kind of low, but they have the really tall backs uh, and they're very narrow and they're not meant for anybody, but just one person. Like, you don't, you couldn't sit on someone's lap in it. It's kind of a little awkward, but they have that, that quality to them. I always knew them as Pope chairs. I'm sure there's a name for them in some Baroque or, you know, style of furniture. Uh, and there's one on each, um, stare and they're catty cornered to look out onto the gathered the cardinals sit in these nine chairs and they listen in judgment and give their opinion to the grand inquisitor as he comes in and and here's the cases um so you're sitting in in what appears to be like witness you know wooden they're like pews almost but they're boxed uh and there's tables up in the front where people can you know if you have anybody who's going to give witness they can come up and speak uh, but the the odd thing is that the, above you, uh, there is this, how would I say it? There are three, what appear to be long arms that come out of these statues. And the arms are something like 35 feet each, 40 feet each. And they just extend three arms. What, so the, the statues are of of a woman one is a woman and the other two are men with their left hand on their heart and their right hand extended out um that and they they're and they're sort of intertwined together one just slightly over the other 
uh, and they're holding this. It looks like a plate. So this is above the ground. This sits up. As you're looking, you can see it. It's about 18 to 20 feet in the air. Um, and it's just this really odd thing. And then you notice a, a rope bridge that comes from a balcony off to the side. And you don't, you, you know, you remember the statues, but you're like, wow, it's just, this is just, it's bigger than I remember. And it's it's sort of hard to get a visual of. But of these, of the three statues, the one is behind where Torquemada would sit and its hand is extended out. And at one, the left hand on the chest, one out, one extended. And then in the other two corners. Uh, so it makes basically forms a triangle, right? And over the center before where Torquemada's dais is, is where these hands meet. And the rope bridge coming off the balcony makes its way to this area. So it's about <clears throat> two and a half to three feet under where Torquemada sits, but still above where all the witnesses and everything are it's it's this really large room you, you just have to get the vastness of the size it's probably 70 feet across and and somewhere like 140 feet deep it's massive massive wow. yeah wow. it's just this massive chamber um right now there's probably about 60 or 70 Lasombra in attendance um and you you know they show you to your seat and across the walkway uh up above where the balcony is you see two men dragging that young woman who was out in the hallway a few moments before. <clears throat> and they're they're kind of manhandling her across this wooden structure of a bridge. And they they bring her over and they they place her on this plate being suspended in the air by the three hands. And now she's gagged. But she's not gagged with just with just cloth or leather. She's got a, a large piece of cold iron in her teeth, like a bridle or a bit for a horse and it's secured around her head. Her arms are tied behind her back. Her legs are chained and she's laid down upon it and in a, in sort of a semi kneeling position with her one elbow. And she's made to face the front where Torquemada is soon to enter. And everybody just looks up and there's a silence goes across the room. People begin to sit. And then this, this gong goes off and you start hearing chanting. Um, but it's almost a, a mockery of Latin words that you would never hear in a traditional Gregorian chant. You know, um, things about, you, you know, the, the devouring of, of, of the body and, and the, the destruction of mankind and the salvation of the earth, you know, bathed in, in, in the blood of, of, of our savior and who is our savior? He is Cain, and all these just heavy, heavy vampiric lore, but integrated into a Gregorian chant and done in a way that is is so blasphemous and yet beautiful at the same time that it you know everybody is always just taken back by by the devil choir as they're known. You know that's their nickname. They they have just these beautiful, beautiful voices and. They sing and, and they say these words and it's it's really overwhelming. The cardinals come out and the, they make their way and the first two are the most prestigious. So they sit closest to where Grand Inquisitor will come. And as the men and women take their seats, Torquemada then enters. He's an all red. Uh, I mean, he looks like a pope himself. I mean, you know, he's got the, the big hat, the cords. He's got he he's totally decked out. 
and he makes his way and he's very slow and he and he kind of has a slight limp and he walks his way up the dais and it seems that it's almost a struggle for him like he's he's weak and he's tired um and he sits down and he cracks his neck and kind of stretches and he Grazie. I, for those in attendance, I speak the best I will, can, will, and hear to the Anglican language. Many of our brothers and sisters speak in fluent um, Castilian, but tonight we save that language for after. In here, we present these cases of betrayers and traitors to us in a language that is fitting to them of the barbarous Germans and their descendants, the Angles. We will do it as this way tonight, settle and satisfy a desire of mine. No one has any reproach to this, yes? And everyone's just quiet. Hmm. Explain to me the situation that brings this poor child before me. One of the cardinals at the very bottom of the stairs stands up and he says, Grand Inquisitor, the woman before you is named Monique. She is one of our family from New York City in the New World. She is accused of aiding a young Nosferatu woman out of the city of New York and not trying to bring her over into the family for us to use. Her sire has decided to renounce his claim on her and beg that he be espunged of this crime. He said that she has had 35 years on this earth in her immortality and by now should know better than to pass up such a tasty morsel that could have been brought over to the Sabbat. Hmm. There is any here who wish to speak for this, Monique? Any who would uh, explain to us why this would be done? She seems like a repentant child. Do you admit what you have done, is Monique? Do you do you seek forgiveness? She nods her head. You know, there's bloody tears on her face. She nods her head. He says. A gift was given to you, and you betrayed the trust of that gift. Do you repent this? Are you prepared to renounce your actions? Is is this is this what you are ready to do? Because if you are not ready to repent, there is no saving you. She's, she nods her head frantically again. He sits back, leans forward. Hmm. No one. No one to speak for this beautiful child. Someone who made a mistake, that is all. No? Very well. Signore, I believe that she is truly repentant. They nod their heads. And that uh, she is absolutely ashamed and saddened by what she has done. By not uh, capturing one of these Faratu and making a 
turning that friendship into something more for us, especially in such a city as New York, where we still where we still are desperate to maintain control and 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 put our sink our teeth into the neck of that living city. But um, yes, I I think I understand, Monique, why you a friendship sometimes is a hard thing to to betray. I know this. And he looks at her and says, I forgive you. The statues groan and a lever is pulled. The floor in the center where the statues, where the plate dips, Monique starts to tumble and the floor itself rolls back. And she, you can hear her screaming through the bridal bit as she's falling forward. the 18 feet towards the ground and you hear her hit something that it's, it's wet. It's there's a splash. And then there's just a volcanic eruption of sound and then silence. And you smell the whole room fills with the smell of putrescence and flesh that has been burned within holy water. A font of holy water is beneath this, this plate where these statues guide it. And, and usually suspend it and they tip. And when you are deemed guilty, you are drained into this font of baptismal water and she is gone. There's just smoke. Bring me the next case. And you hear Grand Inquisitor and you see Niccolo being walked out across the bridge. The next case is... Um, It's a sad one, one that truly is going to wear heavy on all of our hearts. Speak to me, Signore. Speak to me. It is one of our own, one of of our most passionate members, Niccolo himself. It's... My lord, what is there to say? He... He has been waggling his tongue. He has... He has made many mistakes recently, and now he was allowed himself to be captured in London by the Camarilla prince there and was forced was made his own child have to make a decision that no child should be forced to make because of his actions and the fact that she had to attempt to rescue him. She gave up a seat of power within London, a chance to ratify our holdings there and to make us legitimate, all because of Machiavelli's flagrant abuse of his intellect and the rules. And now we... Charges have been brought up by his peers and we must face the fact that he has done wrong. This is not the first time, Niccolo, you've sat on judgment in front of me no and he nods he looks as far as you can tell evelyn like he's had the shit kicked out of him um he's 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 drawn his colors way off it's like he's barely without any type of blood in him his face is bruised his shirt's ripped he's parts of his hair seem like they may have been pulled out like he's got a bald spot on the side of his head where they they lashed at him and just kept beating him but torquemada this Old, frail Torquemada leans forward and says, "Um, We have worked so hard uh, by being guided by your own rules. Niccolo, 
rules that you set down for us uh, all those years ago and demanded that this is the way to follow things through fear, through control, and then to allow yourself this disgrace to be captured and bartered as a as an object. I it breaks my heart, Niccolo. Is anyone who will stand here for him this evening? Is there no one who will speak for Machiavelli? I mean who many thoughts racing through Evelyn's mind. Um it is clear that I don't think I'm in trouble. But he clearly is in trouble. And speaking for him could really do me some harm, but I'm not, I can't, I feel like I can't sit here and like let him be dumped into the holy water pool. That would be terrible. Um, I'm sitting, I'm in a box am I w- with other people. Yeah, you're surrounded by other kindred. But not just other people that are here to witness or be part of trials. There's other trials that are going on tonight, obviously. Right. So, yeah. Um, throughout this experience, have I seen Rodrigo? Yeah, he's across the room. He nods okay. to you. Yeah. Um, I, as Torquemada is asking if anyone's going to stand up, I try and clock eyes with Rodrigo. Do I get any read off of him? No. No, of course not. I stand up. Announce yourself to Torquemada. Who are you? Uh, Grand Inquisitor, which I say in Spanish to show him that I can speak in fluent Spanish if he needs me to. Right. Um, my name is Evelyn Wolf, and I am one of Niccolo's children. The child whose decision you've uh, brought forth as evidence against him allow her to approach daughter come forward grand inquisitor may have some questions for you please so they ask you one of the guys comes over that escorted you in like a bailiff and he brings you to the witness box it's about it's got several steps it's almost like a, uh, a pulpit from an old gothic church you stand in it by yourself so there's a small little staircase that goes up you're now about eight feet off the ground. You can see Niccolo much more clearly now. You're you're eight feet behind, well, below where he is, but you know you can see him. It's at an angle, and and he's further in front of you. So there's definitely a way of, of recognizing him. He kind of tries to look back at you. He just looks shot. The cardinal says, "Speak freely, child. Address the Grand Inquisitor. What is it you wish to say on behalf of Machiavelli?" Torquemada leans back in his chair and thoughtfully places his head in his hand, strokes his beard, watches you. What do you want to say? Grand Inquisitor, thank you for allowing me to speak. The man who sits before you is, yes, he is reckless and he is passionate. But in my in my life, I've met no greater person. No greater individual who I felt has earned my respect, which is not easily given. My life was not an easy one, and the circumstances of my making gave Niccolo the choice 
to give in to bloodlust and kill, slaughter an innocent woman, or see the strength and the power, the innate tenets that us in the Sabbat hold so dearly, and make the difficult choice to turn me and made me what I am today. But I know that his, that in doing so, it wasn't selfless. I've been used gladly. My, my industry, my business, my connections. He saw something in me and also has used me for the family to gain a seat in London. I'm not deluded into thinking that he is entirely good. What I'm saying is that this is a man who can look at someone, look at ideas and see the power in them, see potential. And I would be doing a great disservice to both him and myself if I did not speak on his behalf today. He cost you. He cost you much. He did. He did. However, I did what I thought was best to serve the family because I still believe that to lose him would be a blow greater than any harm he has done. His actions have set me back, potentially years, and it is a betrayal. There is hurt here, yes, but I am young, I am patient, London is my city, Time does not frighten me, and neither does that festering prince that sits on its throne. I told Niccolo, and I believe this still, I will say it before all of you. It is my desire, something that I've spent the last 50 years of my life planning. I want to attain strength enough in London where we can take it in a night. That is not won easily. Niccolo wanted to rush. He was sloppy, which is why I sent him away. Yes, he got caught. And I stand by my decision to save him. Why do you think you did? I understand you think he's a strength, but let me ask you, uh, Miss, uh, what, uh, Wolf is the name? Yes. Do you not think that if Niccolo were out of the picture, you would have been able to play the cards dealt you better? Do you not think that maybe with him gone and no longer a burden upon your soul and and drawing at the heartstrings you have left that you would uh, be more clear-headed to make a better decision in the future? Do you? I can rid you of this burden. Uh, we know how strong a parent-child relationship can be and maybe it is time that he has just run his course. He has taught us all that he can teach. How do you think about this? What do you say? I would say that Niccolo wouldn't have been in London if I hadn't invited him. I sought his counsel. She, you know, pauses a moment. Grand Inquisitor, what I'm about to say next is rather sentimental. And isn't, and... Yes, it adds credence to what you say that I may not be thinking clear-headedly with, with a clear head. I would have died that day if Niccolo had not turned me. And yes, it's a hundred years hence I'd be 
I'd be dead today, but I've been able to achieve more than anything my mortal life would have held for me. I, I, if you wish to throw him in, if you wish to destroy him, there is absolutely nothing that I could say to fault you. I understand. The last part of me that remains human is his. And this is why I am thinking it is time to shed the last part of those vestiges, my daughter. The floor underneath him is closed at the moment. It resealed. Niccolo's like, uh, Torquemada, come, uh, come closer, my daughter. Come closer, please. One of the bailiffs motions you to come down. It's very rare. You've never seen this. You've only attended a few conclaves. You've never heard of anybody being asked to, you know, to climb the dais or dais past the cardinals uh, and make their way up. But he does. He um, he escorts you up the stairs. All the cardinals are looking at you in unison. The women and the men on this on the, the you know the eighteen of them that sit there in judgment with him and and listen to these trials and speak up occasionally if they think Torquemada may have missed something or whatever. And you stand in front of him and he says. Evelyn, we understand that you may have been seeking his guidance, but I am thinking, I am of the mind that if he were not there to ask, you would have been perfectly right without him. The reports we have from our other agents, our eyes and ears inside the city of the Angles is, is that you've been doing most well. That every time Niccolo comes, he is a burden to you, not a blessing. And it is for this reason that I'm thinking, if you were just to let him go, just to say goodbye, you might rise higher to the top, like the, the, the best of the cream, and be something that we are ready for you to be inside of London. You have come to a point where you look forward to seeing him only... Uh, so how to say because he gave you a gift but you've repaid this gift and now you own you own his life your actions that you say about your own admission have set you back potentially years we understand why you did this but we also understand you would do it again so I ask you could you cut the strings could you cut him out of your life if needed, if commanded to do so by the family and the College of Cardinals, could you say goodbye to him and do what is best for us and help us take the city at your pace and leisure, but without him behind you in the shadow? Could you do this? What's the vibe in the room? Everyone's quiet. They're just sitting... Rodrigo kind of just gives you a look like, you know, what are you going to do? It's a moment. You know, it's, this is a moment. I look poor, beautiful Niccolo in the face and say yes. Benvenuti. Very good. Very good. He shows you a cord 
that's very dark, hard to see. And he says, rid yourself. Free your spirit, my daughter. Become what you were always to become. A leader among us. Not just the child of Niccolo Machiavelli. His successor. Pull the rope. Well, damn, if ain't that if that ain't seductive. Ooh. I I, I pull that sucker. Yank. Niccolo yeah. screams. The floor opens. He, the plate begins to shift and tumble, and he goes sailing through the air. Slow motion. Almost impossible to believe how long it's taking him to drop the 18 feet. And he hits the water. There's a scream. Just terrifying, agonizing. And then he stands up. And everybody starts to clap. And Torquemada says, You are right, Niccolo. She is ready to learn. And to lead. They come over and they unchain Niccolo. They take the bridle out of his mouth. He smiles, a huge smile, and he says, She made the right choice by saving me, and I showed you, Grand Inquisitor, that she is also ready. Wonderfully done, my daughter. Wonderfully done. And the whole room breaks out in clapping. That's where we'll end it. Ah! <laughs> oh my... Wow. Ah. Good job. Thank you. Oh, that man. Right, that was the call. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to punch him in the face. How, <laughs> how dare you manipulate me again? Damn it. I'm gonna, I run down the dais and I punch him in the mouth. I I just might. <laughs> if this was yeah. a quiet moment at home. No. Well, they, they drained the holy water and pumped it full of other water and he fell into water. Oh, man. <laughs> And he stands up. My heart went, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Right. Good job. All right. Thank so that's you. For tonight. <laughs> we'll see everybody next time. Uh, thank Lauren. Great job. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure that get, got the old pulse racing. Oh and, my God. Uh, yeah. From all of us here at the Bardic College, we'll be uh, back very soon with uh, the next solo adventure for you to enjoy because uh, the team has got to recollect themselves in London, but that's going to take a little bit of time. The next one I believe is going to be Simona with Bastion. And that is also not to be missed. So from all of us here, take care, everyone stay safe and good night. Thank you for listening to Hellfire Nights. You can like, share, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. To help support our network of real play adventure shows, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash the Bardic College. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes reels, interviews with players and storytellers, and exclusive adventures featuring your favorite characters from our shows.